0: Today, I am so excited to bring on our guest. We have Gabrielle Stone here. She is the author of Eat, Pray, FML. I actually stumbled across her on TikTok. Her story is absolutely unbelievable, but she's here to tell. I just don't want to give anything away if you don't already know a little bit about it. So buckle up and get ready for this wild ride we're about to go on together enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the show. I just did like a pre-record and I was like, just everyone buckle up because that's how I felt when I saw your first, when I saw one of your viral TikToks and I was like, oh my goodness. But introduce yourself and, uh, give us the goods. I'm sure you're like, I've regurgitated the story a million times, but you've now written a book on it.
1: It's part of the territory. And if you're (laughs) regurgitating good shit, then it's okay to be regurgitating. (laughs) So well said. But what's up everybody? My name is Gabrielle Stone. I'm an author two-time best-selling author now, which is still weird to say, because it wow. took me a while to get comfortable in that space. I came from acting and directing. Mm-hmm. So it was a big jump in career shift, but more or less, I was married for almost two years and found out my husband was having an affair with a 19-year-old for six months, um, along with a myriad of other messy stuff that was uncovered when i when I discovered my calling as a private detective. and <laughs> I filed for divorce and left shortly after that, I met this guy, Hollywood actor. We mm. fell madly in love with each other, had this whirlwind romance, like meet my family, have my babies, all the fairy tale mm. bullshit. And he invited me on a month-long trip to Italy with him forty eight hours before you getting on the plane, I, got a call from him and he told me he needed to go by himself and broke up with me. And I was absolutely devastated. This man broke my heart like my ex-husband never could have done. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting on my bed in a pool of tears at my mother's house, because that's where you move when you get divorced at 27. And I was sitting there going, okay, well, I can either stay at home heartbroken or I can go travel Europe for a month by myself And my bag was already packed sitting by the door. So I was like, I guess I'm going to Europe. And I took my backpack and I did six countries over the span of a month and wrote the book, Eat, Pray, FML.
0: Okay, so I hard relate with you on moving home with mom and dad, but I actually loved that. It was like such a, I I got divorced at 30. So I mean, the whole like life restart. But I have to ask you before we get into everything that the book goes into, you said that the second relationship Broke you harder than your marriage ever could have. Can you kind of explain why that was so gutting? Was it just that, like it was a second swing at that point? Was there just a different emotional connection that you felt? It maybe kind of walk me through that second breakup and that like devastation,
1: Yeah, totally. So I think, and i I write about this in the book, how I kind of discover this in real time at the moment. I, was never really fully in love with my husband. At the Mm. time, I loved him as a person, but I wasn't in love with him. I think I married him because he was safe. I've had a lot of trauma in my life. Um, I found my dad on the floor from a heart attack um, when I was six years old. He passed. Um, I then experienced another loss when I was 18 and my high school sweetheart passed away in a car accident. So every wow. man in my life that I loved died. And it was this pattern that I, I picked up in this, uh, really this abandonment, subconscious abandonment fear. So I think I married him because he was safe. And I had been mentally checked out of the marriage for seven, eight months because we had been so unhappy and going to therapy. And like, I didn't realize why we were so unhappy and what was so wrong. Obviously he was off, having all the extramarital affairs. But when I met Javier, who's the man after, I was weirdly okay. Like I wish I could have said it was a rebound. It would have made my life so much easier, but I was oddly okay. And I was really, I knew that the marriage ended and the cheating was a way for me to get out and restart my life and have this like second chance. So I went into that second relationship very, Okay. As Mm -hmm. weird as that sounds. Um, and it really, the, the intense, what I now know was love bombing, I think made it so much harder to get over. I think love bombing, which is such a term that gets thrown around all the time lately happens in two different scenarios. One is if it's with a narcissist and they seek you out and they want to really manipulate you and make you feel like you're the center of their universe and just like shower you with all this attention with the intention of manipulating you or having control over you. Mm -hmm. Then I think there's the type of love bombing where someone who has a void within themselves and they meet you and you suddenly make that void feel better. And they're like, oh, that, that shitty feeling I have inside myself is gone. And this person makes me feel so much better. So I want more of them. I want more of them. And it's like, meet my, meet my family. You're going to be my girlfriend. Let's go to Europe together. And then eventually they realize that that feeling starts to fade because nobody can fill that void except you. Mm. And they're like, Ooh, actually I spoke too soon. I'm going to go this way. And you're just like, wait, what? I was in like the height of the honeymoon and you're leaving. Like what, what did I miss? So it was so much more devastating because I was in that honeymoon phase a and b I really believed that this was going to be my person. I was like of course yeah. I had to get cheated on. Of course I had to go through the divorce no, so I it would make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. There's also just like the dumper and the dumpy syndrome which I I've kind of worked through a little bit myself because I was the person who ended our marriage. But then I've also been dumped and every single time I've been dumped it's like you're you're left standing with all of the pieces trying to put together the puzzle. But mm-hmm. the person who ends the relationship, they already had it together. Like they already knew, like they already figure that yeah. stuff out. And they, you know, they kind of present you with the finale and then you're left to sort of alone figure mm-hmm. that all out. But after two situations where it's like devastating, now you're going off to Europe and you're trekking around. Were you very intent on a either just like, fi- were you into? In, were you in this for just like making sure that you were okay, trying to figure out that self-love journey? Was the part of you that were like, okay, I need to go find love somewhere else. Like I need to break the cycle. Where were you at? Like in that moment of being so fragile, what were sort of like, what was kind of running through your head as you were embarking on that journey? Because I'm a bit of romantic and it was really hard for me to be alone. It was really Mm -hmm. hard for me to like sit my ass down and be like, you need to figure out how to be with yourself before you ever, I think I was a love bomber. I think not like intentionally, but I was, I'm such a romantic that at the time after my divorce, I, everybody I met, they would hold the door open for me. And I'd be like, that's my new husband. Like I was just so (laughs) right. Like I, but I think I, I romanticize scenarios for, I'll do it for other people now too. And I'm happily married again now. And, but it took me even through a new relationship, understanding How much was like that? Oh, this person pacifies that feeling of being alone. That Even within a marriage, I've had to constantly pursue self to make sure that I'm not using another person to pacify a discomfort of being alone. So in that moment where you're, you know, your bags are packed, you go, what was running through your mind in terms of your own healing and maybe what romantic feelings that you sort of had in terms of what your life might look like? I'd love to sort of hear that.
1: Yeah, it was, I, I relate so much to all of that because, you know, the fear of abandonment with what I've gone through in my past, that showed up for me and I don't ever mm. want to be alone. Yeah. Um, and as far as the, the being dumped versus being the one that's dumping, uh, this is going to sound so ridiculous, but I, up until that point, I had never been broken up with in my life. So yeah. it was like this very weird, uh, like cocktail of just, epic, shitty emotions that I was going Mm. through at one time. And it was even more complicated because when he told me he needed to go by himself, the reason that he gave me, he had lost his brother to suicide a year and a half before I met him. Mm. And he said that basically falling in love with me opened up those floodgates of all that grief he had pushed down. I've obviously experienced a lot of grief in my life. So I was in this weird kind of limbo of, you broke my heart and you made me feel all these things and invited me on this trip and like came into my life in like the worst possible time to uproot it. And I have to protect this person. You know, Mm. my whole family and friends were like, are you kidding? And I was like, no, you guys don't understand what this person's going through. And like was very protective of that also. So I didn't leave on the trip thinking, oh, maybe I'll go find the love of my life. But I definitely left on that trip being like, there's no way this man just like went to bed in love with me and woke up not. Yeah. So as much as I tried on this trip to be like, you can't romanticize that relationship working out or things changing, that is definitely what happened. So if I was romanticizing mm. anything, it was... Well, what if? Well, there has to be an explanation. Like his friends and his family were like, this isn't, he doesn't just fall out of love with you. Like we've never Mm -hmm. seen him like this. Yeah. So it it was very, that was a mind fuck for me. But the thing that I really was clear on going on this journey was I had to figure out how to love myself because Mm -hmm. everybody's always going, you know, you can't love yourself until you. I mean, you can't love someone else until you love yourself and you've got to love yourself first. It's most important. And I was like, okay, cool. I get it. I'm ready to do that. Can anyone tell me how? Yeah, exactly. Nobody that could be like, yes, this is how you love yourself. It was like this mythical fucking feeling mm-hmm. of like, you know, that I was supposed to just manifest and look in the mirror and be like, I love you, Gabrielle. But I felt, <laughs> fr- I felt crazy every time yeah. I did that. So that was like my big, I have to go learn how to be alone. I have to deal with this fear of abandonment and I have to learn how to love myself.
0: No, I think that's so important because people will say, like, you have to love yourself, like you said, before you love anybody else. But everything that we're conditioned in our entire lives is to be partnered. It's not to be alone. Every, Every part of like... Even our historic nature of being like in tribes and with people like inherently wants us to be with somebody else. And then society and movies and everything, it's always your life and its value is towards being partnered with somebody else. And I know that that eventually became your story. What were sort of like those moments of, hey, I really could be okay on my own and a partner will be a complement to that, but not a you know they're like I found my second half that's like the line that drives- I also have a no. weird thing about yeah. the line making love I'm like you're fucking there's no <laughs> you don't make love like <laughs> I make love when I pick up your fucking socks it's not when we're Dead. boning <laughs> I just there's like certain terminology that you know you're just like it's right. so normal but I'm like no don't call it making love it's just different and yeah. then my husband laughs at me and he like will like purposely be like really extra romantic when we're having sex and I'm like don't do that don't try and don't oh, try right. and Oh He'll be like, I know how much you love making love. And i was like, don't.
1: <laughs> oh my God. You guys are hilarious. Yeah. yeah. And the ha- and like the, the whole, my other half, it's like, what? So you were just walking around with like yeah, half walking- a torso before yeah, you I'm met just this never person. Never been what? okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there for the abandonment and learning how to be on my own, the solo trip itself was like oh, yeah. life changing for me. Like there's oh, yeah. no Navigating an way. airport
0: by yourself is very, yeah. very like Amazing. i
1: i had never traveled with just a backpack i had never yeah. traveled solo much less yeah. across the freaking world like it was life changing for me and to realize how capable i was navigating it all and mm-hmm. being alone and not mm-hmm. having people there to lean on and cry on and be like my comfort yeah. was massive and it really the biggest gift I got from that trip was realizing that I'm never truly abandoned because I'll never abandon myself. Mm. And it sounds so simple, but it was such a monumental thing for me to come to terms with and realize because it Mm -hmm. now it's like, yeah, if someone breaks my heart, it's going to suck. I'll cry, but like, I'm going to be fine and I'm going to get through it. You know? Yeah. Hasn't killed me before and not going to kill me the next time. They talk, though, a lot. I I was just actually talking with a
0: sex therapist the other day and she was um, or like a sex and intimacy coach. And she was talking about self-betrayal, which is sort of like you were saying, like, you'll never abandon yourself. But there is times in our life where we sort of do that. If you if you look at I, I can All even like. Yeah, we do. I, I'm like, I don't want to make assumptions, but like your first marriage might have been an example of a version of self-abandonment in order to feel so That was, that's really interesting to me that you, that, that was such a bold statement. And I think a really, a really good one is sort of like that. That's, I find it really interesting when people always say they go and like find themselves, but really it's always like a coming home to yourself. Right. And you kind of did that across the globe, what was it like when you began to enter into dating and being romantic with people again? What was different this time versus the times you'd done it before? Because I think that one thing that a lot of people... And and, I, and I'm and i hoping that we can give hope to people who are maybe already in relationships and looking to sort of navigate that uh, that keeping of self while in a relationship or dating. Because it's really... I got married at 19 the first time. I, I don't even... There's a myriad of reasons I got married, but if I look back on it, there was a lot of like little bits of self-abandonment and then it just kept slowly chipping away. I'm glad I'm not in that marriage anymore and I'm glad that I'm in a different one now, but there has been a lot of concerted effort to make sure that there is myself within that. And that can be, we can lose it to motherhood. We can lose it to jobs. Mm -hmm. We can lose it in romantic relationships. But as you sort of like began to move forward with your life, entering into new romantic partnerships, everything, how were you sort of navigating keeping that self and that, you know, that effort to not abandon self? And how did that sort of change the way you lived?
1: Well, I didn't at first. I mean, I went on that trip and there were definitely romances that happened that I was not prepared for and mm. that were not healthy, but that still taught me some very big lessons yeah. about myself. And, you know, the self-love aspect of it, to answer your question from before, I I came home from that trip and this is all written about in the sequel, which is called The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. And I came home from that trip and it was like, I got off the carousel ride and everything Mm. stopped. And suddenly I was 28 turning 29 back at my mom's house, like not in Europe anymore, not with all the drama going on. And it was just like, what the fuck do I do now? Mm. And I fell into such a big depression, which again, when you lose yourself and you just like, can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it was so bad. What I ended up doing was saying, "Okay, I have to start doing things every day, as opposed to just like being in my bed and crying and watching Netflix and eating." And I was like, "Okay, I'm going to write a list of things that I do, I can do for myself that make me feel good, that will help my mental health, that make mm-hmm. me feel better." And for me, that list was going to the gym, eating healthy, uh, meditating, creating, writing, dancing. And I put that list on my mirror and I was like, all right, you have to give yourself at least one of these things every single day. And then you can get back in bed and watch your Netflix. And the first week was really rough. And then the second week I was like, all right, add in one more thing. And after a while I was like, oh, I don't, I don't need to get back in bed anymore. And then it became three things off of that list or four things off of that list every day. And before I knew it, I had pulled myself out of this depression and I was feeling so much better and it's because I was loving myself. Mm. And that's really when it all clicked that loving yourself is as simple as giving your soul the things it loves. Mm. And when I realized that it was not some mythical feeling that you had to look in the mirror and tell yourself and feel, it was something that was an action that you were doing. It totally like changed my entire life around because when you're in a relationship of any kind, a romantic relationship, a friendship, a family, um, and you want the other person to experience love, you do things that make them feel love. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about self-love, like, why are we not doing that with ourselves?
0: Yeah. I, I, yep. I said almost <laughs> those exact same words before because it, it was my same aha moment. Why? It, mine was a lot of like disconnection from my body going through postpartum, all of this body change, and you're like, why? Or I actually lost a hundred pounds at one point, and I was like, why don't I love myself? Why do I? Mm-hmm. Why am I still so anxious about what I look like? Why am I so obsessed? And it was that same thing. Like, why we do so much in loving actions? I mean, you can have butterfly, beautiful, hormonal feelings for somebody or like that guttural instinct mama bear stuff that you have or like the way that you would you know do things that would get you in prison for your best friends but eventually you most of it is in action like it always is and it makes so much sense when you see it externally you it makes so much sense the way you love your children is like by action the way you love your partner is by doing things that like serves the relationship that serves each other and then we. We literally stare at ourselves and we're like, but why? Why don't I love myself yet? Like, where is it? And I think that that's, but the way that you did the list thing, that's genius because I think a lot of people get stuck in, okay, now how do I start and how the hell am I going to do this? How am I going to get, and that's such a simple list. And I think even yeah. recognizing like, maybe I don't feel love, but this is me loving myself and look at how, look at these things. I did. And those can feel really really great and wonderful and beautiful. And I think that that was just such a good, I think a lot of people get stuck on like, how do you love yourself? And that, that was just such a clear answer that I thought was like a really good one.
1: Yeah. Thank you. It's just an easy, like now I have a checklist. Now I have Mm -hmm. a to-do list where I can actually take action. And like, these are things I have to do every day. So I obviously didn't figure it out until I came back from my Europe trip. So it's written in the epilogue of Eat Pray FML and it's called the self-love cocktail. And it's my readers swear by it now. And I still do it every day. Amazing. So at what point did you realize this was a book for you? Like what point did you
0: realize, like especially from not being an author to suddenly like, there's a story here? Was it a journal that you started? Like at what point were you like, I this has to be something?
1: Um, so I found, I got the phone call from Javier that he was going to go by himself. The day after that, we met up to like have a discussion, obviously. And when he dropped me off from that discussion, I looked at him and I said, I'm going to write a book
0: mm. and he was like,
1: okay. And I was like, and it's going to be called Eat, Pray, Fuck My Life. Had never seen Eat, Pray, Love, had never read the book. Um, <laughs> did go in after that conversation to watch that movie and was like, oh my God, this is my life. What the fuck? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, But it's honestly, I just, I just, it was like a message that I got in my soul and Mm. I went the next day and bought a leather bound journal, took it with me on my trip, started the book the first day in London. And if you open that journal, that's now like one of my prized possessions, it's like chapter one and it's very close to how the finished book came out and was published. Um, and I wrote, wrote three fourths of it during that month by hand in the journal, Finished it when I came home. The whole thing was done in two and a half months, which I can tell you from writing the sequel is wildly fast. Yeah, no um, kidding. And I I just knew I was like, you know, my life at the time had become a mix of a horror show and a mm. sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, whatever I'm about to learn on this trip is going to be really massive. And if I can tell this story in a relatable way, it's going to help heal a lot of other people that are going through some of this stuff
0: and that's just it right i think even if you haven't gone through something like this you're going to take away so much from just even the the realization of like and that's what i mean like people are in relationships right now where they're in a constant state of self abandoning and i think that it's important yeah. to understand how to figure out picking yourself back up even within a within a relationship that maybe isn't the worst relationship for you but you have created forms of self-denial talk to me a little bit about uh tiktok because that's i mean you've kind of gone that's like a whole other realm i know you have like acting and stuff in your past but that's a new platform and how is that sort of storytelling of that beyond the book on social media been
1: Oh, TikTok. You know, I have such a love hate relationship with social media. On one hand, it's like been the best marketing for me ever. It's it's changed my life. Yeah. Um, On the other hand, I'm like, let's move to Thailand and never have phones ever again. (laughs) And like, I would be great. Yeah. So I'm very torn, but I, I go back and forth pretty much daily. But when I launched the book in 2019, when it was published, I had maybe. 10 to 12,000 followers on Instagram. Like Mm. it was not a big platform by any means. And the book was doing uh, good for like, you know, a first time self-published author, but like it was nothing insane. And then the pandemic happened and everyone was talking about TikTok. And I was like, I'm not getting on another social media app. This is for kids that are dancing. Yep. And then the pandemic continued and I got really bored and I downloaded it just to like get, entertaining videos on my phone. Um, and I saw my, a mentor of mine who kind of like mentored me in the self-publishing realm, blowing up on TikTok and selling a lot of books from mm. it. And I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this. I had like 400 followers on there. Yeah. Like I was like, who am I even posting this video to? This is like, yeah, what am I even working towards? Like it was very, like not what you would expect. And Mm. I posted, I posted a video about the book one night at like 11 PM to my 400 followers. And I woke up and it was at almost a million views in a couple hours. Mm. And that was the first video that really started changing the game for me. Because when you have a video go viral on TikTok, like you can't pay for that type of marketing.
0: No, No, I know. That's the one It's a good and bad on TikTok because you literally—it's like everyone's getting first impressions of you. or at least on Instagram, these people know you; they chose to follow you. But on TikTok, it's like people who just came across your shit, and they're just like, "Here's what I think about the shit you just delivered to me." And it's so it can be tough, right? It can be really tough. But I'm glad that it—I'm glad that it was a positive experience for you, and that you've gotten to a—you've been able to like reach more people. Because I'd be curious to know based on now you have these two best-selling books, what is some of the most impactful things that people that has really impacted you in terms of how people have received it and how it's sort of changed their lives?
1: Yeah, I love that question because that's like the biggest reason I don't mind continually showing up on TikTok and doing these stupid videos to get them to go viral because mm. I know the thing I'm selling is gonna help change a lot of lives. And yeah. I read every DM that I get about the book I talk to all my readers. Um, it can be exhausting at times, but it's like the best reward for me because it's it's such a personal book that when people read it, they yeah. go through such a personal healing journey. Um, and I have readers that are like in happy marriages that are yeah. like, I picked this up because you were drinking wine on the cover and it looked like a fun Netflix show <laughs> and it ripped my soul open and I'm a new yeah. human now. Um, but some of the most amazing messages that I've gotten over the years in different, different capacities. There was one that stood out to me of a a girl who actually has become part of my community now. And like in my Patreon subscription and stuff who had a brush with suicide mm. and found the book like right at the time where she was considering trying to do that again and messaged me after and was like, I need you to know that this book literally saved my life. I've had messages of, I, this book helped me get out of an abusive relationship. Yes. This book helped me finally choose me and divorce the person that I was with, or this book made me realize that I want to fight for my marriage and stay yeah. in it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, helped me learn how to love myself. There was one message that I got actually earlier on before all the TikTok stuff started um, from this girl. I think she was in Ohio. Um, and she was like, look, my i was just cheated on right after my mom was murdered like this like incredibly wow. devastating story and she was like i feel like after reading this book it was my mom's sign to me to like mm. start loving myself and that it's going to be okay and to start writing again and i was just like dude i mean you can't ask for a more validating message than that. Like it makes everything that I went through so freaking worth it. And I would do it 10 times over to end up here.
0: I think about that all the time. Like I wouldn't, I don't wish any of particular parts of my past on anybody, but I'm so glad that they made me who I am. I'm so glad that your experiences made you who you are. And And I love that through each one of those scenarios that you shared of people sort of sharing their experiences, all of them come back to what you were saying like that like not abandoning yourself. And I think Mm -hmm. that the more we recognize, especially for women who oftentimes have been in society conditioned to believe that that's where happiness lies for us is when we sacrifice it all, when we eat the burnt toast, when we give up on all our dreams. And I think that what's really cool about what what you've done is like sort of teach people a way back out from that. And I think that's a Mm -hmm. really... Really neat story to tell. Um, Tell us where you're at today. Tell us about the books and where we can find you.
1: Oh my God, where I'm at today um, is a very different place than where I was at during all these books. After the first one became successful, everyone, and I say this lovingly, that read them was kind of berating me for a sequel, like what the hell happened when you came back from Europe. So I did end up writing the sequel called the ridiculous misadventures of a single girl and that was a lot harder for me to write because it involves the relationship that I'm currently in mm. and all of the ups and downs that we went through to get to where we are now and it was a freaking roller coaster so it was it was more difficult because it felt like I was trying to protect people and protect this relationship, but still be authentic and write about all the really difficult things that happened. And I think it was a really incredible like completion of the journey. So people really feel like they're up to date with where I'm at. Yeah, Now I'm engaged. I'm getting married next month. Um, We're we're wildly happy. It's very boring, but it was not always like that. And it took a, a long time for us to get here. Yeah, it's it's been a really incredible journey to watch these books reach people all over the world mm-hmm. and now, you know, the podcast has become an extension of that where it's really a community where people can sit down with me on Wednesdays and feel like they have a therapist that, you know, drops some F-bombs and like makes some funny jokes at the same time. (laughs) Um, So it's been, it's been wonderful, but both of the books are available exclusively on Amazon. The first is Eat, Pray, FML. The second is The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. They're also available signed uh, by me on my website where all of our merch is, and that's eatprayfml.com. I also have a healing journal called Fuck Off, I'm Healing. That's really, (laughs) (laughs) I love um, it. It's like a step by step guide to not healing from heartbreak, although there is bits of that in there, but just any kind of trauma that life has thrown at you and really how to, like you said, find that that way back to yourself to, Mm. to really get back there and love yourself and let some of the stuff that life has thrown at you go. And that's also on Amazon and on my website. And the podcast is FML talk and it's every Wednesday.
0: One last question. Have the exes ever. Oh girl. Reached out. That's
1: a whole nother podcast. Um, So do they have
0: opinions.
1: There are so many. Um, (laughs) My, my ex husband, um, if if people are interested in that answer, I think it's episode two or three or three or four on F like way back FML? in season one. Okay. Um, and that's a little deep dive into my ex-husband Amazing. um and how he's uh that gem of a human. He's a sociopath, he's not yeah. even a narcissist. Like it's yeah. like next level the stuff that he's done to try and affect me and tear me down. Yeah. Um, based on the book's success. Um Javier actually signed a release for the first book. I know it was hard for him to read, but he was very proud of it and Good. very supportive of it. Yeah. Second one not so much. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody's Fair got enough. feelings, you know, when you whenever you put a mirror up to someone who isn't ready to face their shit, there's yeah. going to be feelings around it.
0: No, but you know what? I have to say, I really like that you said the current relationship you're in wasn't like this beautiful. I think a lot of us assume that in the end, it's like this beautiful, amazing journey where you find that person and then everything clicks into place. And your story is like, no, I was seeking myself and I'm in a relationship and then we had some ups and downs and now we're in a really great place. And I think that that needs to be viewed as like the big love story that a lot of us like deserve to have. And it has to be, you know, it has to be workable. It has to be real. And I, and I love that. And I love everything you're doing and everything you do for the community who clearly so needs it. So thank you so much. And for everyone listening, we're going to have everything in the show notes for you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me girl. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at Pink Papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.